Welcome to this episode of Energy Radio, a podcast by CEM Engineering with the goal of giving you the knowledge and the tools and the power to manage your energy. Welcome to Energy Radio, a podcast that's desiring to give you insight and uh, inspiration as you manage your energy and environmental challenges. Uh, Today I'm joined uh, by two friends of the CEM family. Uh, We have uh, Mr. Tim Short, Mr. CSA 282 himself, um, formerly of Enbridge uh, and now uh, on his on his own or, or striking out on his own and he'll tell us a bit about himself and Richard Laszlo um, uh, with Quest but also Laszlo Energy Services. So thank you both, uh, this is fun and uh, of course uh, we've known you both uh, for various periods of time and, and we're done some good work with you guys and we're really pleased that you're here. So um, maybe Tim I'll start with you, a quick uh, intro into who you are and you know how you got into this business and um, then we'll talk a bit later about what you're uh, working on now. Certainly, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt, uh, to you and, and Martin and the team for uh, for inviting us. It's mm-hmm. a very it's a very kind gesture and I'm glad to catch up because it has yeah. been a few years. Yeah. So yes, as you've as you've indicated in the introduction, I have made a very, very big switch. I took early retirement from Embridge after uh, about 19 years. Um, and uh, enjoying it. I'm still feeling the ropes. I'm learning lots from Richard um, into anything and everything. I think is really essentially what it is. And, yeah, uh, we'll yeah. get into more of that as sure. the time goes on. But uh, uh, definitely there is some CHP uh, thrown in the mix. Cool. Uh, there's a lot of electric vehicle stuff yeah. as in charger networks, uh, technologies, assessments, those various things. So very, very exciting. So I'm still learning my, my way in, around the ropes. But it's it's been a non-linear uh, tra- trip for me in the yeah. last 30-something years. Um, I think this is the fourth industry I've okay. been in after mining and uh, chemicals. I was in banking for a very, very short period of time, and I was in telecom and uh, ultimately landed in, in Enbridge doing a whole bunch of things. So, okay. Yeah, so, I, 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 well, Lisa did these prep notes, and I was reading some of that stuff. I, I didn't know that. I thought you were at Enbridge for most of your career, but you did some other yeah, stuff. No, 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 I certainly did. Yes. And at Enbridge, you were primarily kind of front-end business development stuff. Right? Uh, I spent most of my time in business development, also yeah. market development type things, right. uh, not always in PowerGen. Yeah. But PowerGen is really where I got the uh, got the bug for for energy in a big way. The cool. other stuff was interesting, but not as. Um, and 282 work uh, yeah. was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, I, I noticed you you used to have the 282 license plate. You, you, you've moved on from that, right? <laughs> It, it says something else. Something else. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. My two eighty two. I've not gotten rid of it. It's oh. it's in uh, in the man cave for okay. my sons hanging up. Oh, excellent. Um, but uh, no, it's there. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. And Richard, a uh, bit about yourself for us. Sure. For so, yeah. So I uh, I started uh, Lazlo Energy Services about uh, ten years ago, and wow. I've been doing it full time for three years. Okay. Which is great, and uh, you know, like anything, when you kind of go off on your own, you you don't know if it's going to work, but uh, but it's worked out pretty well, and uh, super super happy that Tim has uh, has joined LES as a the partner. So uh, and you're crazy enough to take me on. Yeah, that is, it is <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's great, and uh, yeah, I'm you know happy that 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 Tim's on board and uh, and and thanks for having us on the show here. Uh, passionate about energy, passionate about sustainability. Yeah, and that's what you know. Les uh, Lazo Energy Services is. It's an energy and sustainability consulting company, and uh, you know we advise utilities, municipalities, developers, energy users on um, how to better manage energy, how to deal with some of their sustainability challenges. Right, and and, and before LES, your 
before you saw the light of private industry, <laughs> you're you're in the in government, right? I did government for a while, uh, Ministry of Energy, Ministry of Environment here in Ontario, and uh, the last thing I worked on was the Green Energy Act, which uh, was. Uh, very exciting times, uh, very stressful times, and uh, you know after after that, that was about as high profile as uh, a government gig as you yeah, could get. And no kidding. I thought you know it was time to try some other stuff. So what was your? I've never asked you this, but like you know when when I think green energy and green economy act, yeah, I think of Smitherman. Like like where were you in that mix? Like were you like you know talking to him every day about the development, or I were you crunching numbers <laughs> in the back, or were, were I had a couple of run-ins with Smitherman. Um, my manager at the time at Environment was briefing Smitherman on Saturday mornings. Wow. So that was a little unusual. If that gives you any indication of kind of the the, the stress and and the level of activity, no kidding. Um, I know sometimes civil servants get a bad rap, but uh, we were working real hard. I remember late nights, Friday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, sometimes working in there. So I was the uh, I basically was translating what the approvals engineers wanted for the lawyers that were drafting the reg. Oh, okay. So oh. it was just really, really interesting. Yeah. I got a lot of knowledge about approvals and, and the process, and also uh, got a, a really good grounding in, in regulation and, and how to craft a regulation, how to move it forward, cabinet submission, the whole the whole works. Yeah. So that was really cool. And, and, you, and you leave government 10 years ago? So I left government, yeah, I left government, I guess, 2008, 2009, something like that. And then so, so basically, you launched the Green Energy Economy Act, and then you'd get out of Dodge. Basically. And then I got out of Dodge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, you know, the opportunity at that point was go work for, you know, the Renewable Energy Facilitation Office, the REFO. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, and, yeah. you know, I that thought, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's really what I want to do for the okay. next, you know, four or five years or whatever. So I ended up going to Pollution Probe okay. and wrote their primer on, primer on energy systems in Canada. Yeah. So that was really cool. Got to know a lot of people. I think around then is when Tim and I mm -hmm. met sometime around then. Uh, I actually might have even known each other before then. And then did that for a bit and then joined Quest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, still a senior associate with Quest. And of course, we know each other through Quest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's mm. uh, and that's a really cool organization. We could talk a little bit yeah. more about Quest. Yeah, yeah. We, well, I think maybe at the end we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Quest. Great. So, so now in the last, is it kind of the last year where you guys kind of converge and, and start working together? Is that? Well, there's a lot of discussion. Okay. Probably about a year ago. Okay. Uh, but the actual. Uh, engagement started formally uh, beginning of October. Oh, so it's very recent. Oh, yeah, it's okay. very recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and have you kind of figured out, I mean, I know you guys both bring very diverse skill sets, but yep. are you, I guess, talk to me a little bit about, first of all, you mentioned it briefly, but um, you know, kind of why why Lazo Energy Services exists, kind of <laughs> who, who, you, who you serve, and then maybe, you know, Tim, you can talk about how you guys kind of maybe divide and conquer or what, what you bring to the, I just want, I want to hear about, yeah. you know, you guys first, and then we'll get into the state of the industry. Sure. So, part of the reason, you know, Lazo Energy Services we created it was we saw a need, or I saw a need at the time, to help clients that were dealing with challenging energy and sustainability problems. Uh, at the time, cap and trade was just coming out, uh, and. A lot of my contacts were asking me questions. You know, I've got a good grounding in energy and emissions, so they were asking all kinds of questions about cap and trade, carbon <coughs> pricing, and uh, 
energy management, global adjustment was a big deal, energy prices, energy policy in general was going through a big shift and is yeah. still going through a big shift. So there was a lot for people to manage. Even people that were pretty deep on energy from a technical perspective, there was a big gap in understanding from a policy and regulatory perspective what was happening. And there was the energy side of things, but then there was also the emissions sustainability right. side of things. It strikes me as, as I hear you, like you mentioned earlier, your role at, at, uh, at the government was translation between a couple, it sounds like you're kind of doing some of that now, right? For, for you know large energy users, you're translating what the policy wonks have written into how it impacts their their day-to-day -day. yeah that's right that's exactly right and you know i'm I, I studied engineering i'm an engineer but i you know i'm not i'm not much of an engineer yeah that makes two of us yeah <laughs> well as long as we all know our limitations that's right so are you so but but you know that's it it's like i, I know enough to understand what's happening from a technical perspective but then explaining that to a non-technical audience requires its own yeah. set of skills yeah. and then translating that into something that you can actually do something about right? right what's what are the options available how do you how do you drive towards a solution that makes sense yeah and are you you know is there a, a segment of the market that you're finding yourself gravitating towards is it industrials is it institutional is it the developers or is it the broad swath yeah, I'd say the big basket would be utilities in general. Oh, so okay. yeah, we do work some, with some electric and gas utilities, and that's very rewarding work. Okay, uh, very interesting, uh, and helping them navigate all kinds of things with customers, uh, technology vendors, their contractors. So there's there's a lot of good work that that has to be done there. Okay, okay. Uh, so that would be one. Uh, one kind of vertical, I guess. Uh, and then another one uh, would be developers and, and property owners. Oh, okay. And there's a huge opportunity there. Um, you know, I think people think about, you know, the Brookfields and Oxfords, and that's, you know, obviously those are the cap REITs, right? Those are the big ones. Right. But there are... Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds, thousands uh -huh. of families out there that own property that, Interesting. you know, they don't have a good handle on what their bills are, utilities, opportunities, their challenges. You know, typically they replace like for like. They have their uh, property firms, property management firms that handle stuff for them, but there's no strategic energy management okay. going on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they might be interested in doing something, you know, lighting, but, you know, we talked about the electric vehicle charging, talk about uh, control systems, variable frequency drives. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities that are untapped in these buildings. Yeah. And so that's another big market segment. So you, in that context, you're coming in as kind of a, a trusted advisor where they're saying, hey, this is not my core business. Help, basically. Is that is that kind of how you're often brought in? Yeah, that's it, right? We hired CEM to help us with the turbine, but we need to make yes. sure that they're doing their job properly. And, and, okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, an LES comes in to it, you know, I think at the right scale. Okay. Um, yes, you can get some of the big consulting firms come in there and they'll do it and yeah. put a big binder on it and a big, big price or whatever. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, it's a big investment. It may have answered too many questions or too mm. detailed levels of questions at that point in time. Just give us a, you know, north, south, east, west compass direction and then we'll worry about the four decimal places later. That's yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You know, how, what diameter pipe you need is a question you should be answering 
way down the line, right? Right, right. Do you need a pipe? Right. Is that the way you need Is to that go? The way you're going? That's really uh, where I think they need some help is figuring out what their options are and then and then some some you know how might you go about addressing right those particular you know going about those options getting quotes getting the vendors together to, yeah. to actually carry out the work yeah. okay and since october tim have you kind of figured out you know you have a expertise richard has an expertise if, I, if i'm probing too deep my apologies yeah, that's that, that's right yeah um everything i thought i had an expertise in uniquely yes. is is more than abundant in richard yes, so i'm wondering yeah. whether i'm just overhead <laughs> Uh, redundancy or whatever count, right? so yeah, yeah. I, I, and perhaps I'm jumping ahead here uh, Martin but um, you know I have um, I've uh, watched uh, certainly from a professional perspective when I was at Enbridge but also in a pri as a private citizen or whatever a lot of the energy file yes, and not yes. just sort of gas-fired power generation for example I've, I'm, I'm enamored with solar yes. storage EVs the whole nine yards but I'll tell you what I've noticed is that there's a rapid convergence happening in a lot of very major files. So mm. I think two of them will be very obvious to energy and environment. They're yeah. fused. As, as I say to people, one will not talk about energy without talking about the environment and vice versa. It just goes hand in hand now. Yes. Um, the other one, the other file that's starting to uh, come about and, and converge in some way, and I think it's, I think it would be obvious to most, is transportation. Mm. Uh, EVs is just but one example, or hydrogen. And and those sorts of things, um, and then I think uh, communications is coming, uh, coming fast and furious mm. together to kind of bring all of this together. You know, AI, uh, you know, systems to manage manage these more sophisticated, hopefully decentralized uh, systems or whatever. So I've been very passionate about that. I think okay. I was actually better. Um, better in understanding the CHP market, for example, and the, and the backup generator market, because I understood, or at least had a session on my head, understanding about, um, you know, batteries yes. and what was coming up on the, in the rear view uh, mirror and stuff. Okay. And same thing with solar. I could put things in perspective and know how they all fit together, which is and now a long segue into why it is that I'm, I was very interested in joining Richard beside the fellow, he's a nice fellow or whatever. He sure is, yeah. Is, um, is that I saw this was an opportunity to get involved in many of those aspects mm, and okay. in that in that what i'm going to call increasing sized one or two files yeah um yeah. you know embridge has a lot going on uh but to some extent you know i wish they'd somehow gone into a few other things and, yeah. I, and I think they're definitely looking at those or whatever but i wanted to literally get in there as as quickly as i could and be part of the um of the tr of the transformation that's underway right now yeah 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 okay um cool yeah and i think that that transformation is is uh, thank you for that um Kind of segue because that takes us really to what I want to talk about is this 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 energy space is is you know as you pointed out increasingly dynamic um, and and we're seeing it you know in Ontario we're seeing it in Alberta um, Richard what are your thoughts maybe from a macro level first in terms of you know Tim talked about these four kind of converging uh, files or areas uh, what's what's you know from your perch on the mountaintop what's yeah. <laughs> what's the state of the industry yeah that, i mean absolutely tim tim hit it in terms of technology i think that's a that's a big one uh evs i was i was a bit of an ev skeptic a few mm. years ago uh you know i didn't really see what the value proposition really was 
And then I started crunching my own numbers and you know, that's always served me well in the past. Yeah. And once I did that and you start realizing the, the cost of operating the vehicle is so much lower than an internal combustion engine. Mm. And really we've, we've only just begun this, this storage story. Right. And the convenience factor. And then you combine that with the whole digitization of, of the automobile. And then you end up having this, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a transformation in, it's a technology disruption. Mm. Uh, you know, I've spoken in, in, in Calgary at, at conferences and you know, people talk about EVs and oh, but you know, from an environmental perspective, you know, do the emissions, does it make sense? And that's an important conversation to have, but that. I think is getting mixed up with the fact that this is a, a superior technology. And so customers are going to move towards that technology regardless of what that means from a sustainability perspective. Now when you say sustainability and emissions, are you, are you talking about jurisdictions where that KWH is generated from a, a fossil-based, or, or are you? Yeah, exactly. Or are you drawing? Because the other way to look at it, we've run into. You know, Martin will tell a story of, of um, you know, going into Toyota years ago already, and and they, and then looking at you know lithium-ion battery storage, and and they said, no, 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 don't don't talk to us about that because we draw the box around the whole life cycle of the battery, and we have issues with even in Ontario with, with clean KWH, with, you know, how do you get that rare earth out of the ground in China and how do you dispose of it? And is that like, or maybe you're going after both, but like, how do you guys reconcile that piece? And maybe I'm misinformed. But no, no, I, absolutely. Those are all really good questions to have. I see, you know, in terms of the use of, you know, vehicles, vehicles obviously aren't going anywhere. People need to choose which vehicle they're going to purchase mm. or rent or whatever. And I think they're going to go with an EV, increasingly go with an EV because it offers value to them. And the sustainability discussion is, again, it's an important one, but I don't think that that factors in the same way that people are thinking about it. It's like, oh, well, no, EVs can't work because what about like EV battery disposal? Yeah. Well, it's like, what, how is that? Like how our current batteries dispose, you know, like it's, I feel like people are getting lost in a discussion. Like the only reason we would do EVs is because there's an environmental benefit. Yes. But that's not the way technology disruption happens. Mm. Wow. People are not, you know, so people are conflating the reason for like the drivers, excuse the pun, for the change, right? People are going to go to EVs because there's a customer value yeah. there that they won't get with an internal combustion engine yeah and that people will have to figure out the disposal and how to deal with all that other stuff that you know that we have to do with all kinds of of consumer products yeah yeah um you, you've you've clearly got around that i mean for, for you, you you came in this morning and just you know, yeah. barely said hello and you're you know telling me about how much you love your new car right, yeah, sure, and, yeah. and and so you've clearly gotten your head around that whole piece 
So it's uh, very dangerous, Matt, that uh, you put me in front of a microphone and now I can have an opportunity to talk about Tesla. <laughs> hey, and, uh, and, and I should have had memory. Not, not a sponsor of this program. <laughs> yet, yet. Uh, we're open. Uh, info at cem.ca. Yeah. Let, let, let me, um, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it, it'll come down in the end. It'll come down to cost. Uh, yeah. and, and, it, and we are as in society we're very very close and it's all coming down to battery costs period wow. end of wow. discussion so when the costs of purchase running and the hassle factors low and everything else is better than uh, than the than the incumbent uh, technology or whatever it's over yeah. it's absolutely over okay. you'd be absolutely nuts and and as um Kara claremont who's the head of uh, plug and drive said and i'm not going to forget this statement it's, it's a very good comment she said that the um that the individual car buying owners for example whatever the math that they'll do most people is just look at the price the upfront price maybe some of the ongoing but not really right and then they'll make a judgment on that basis and come up with reasons why they shouldn't do excuses. Fleet owners, they do the math, period. And it doesn't matter what they look like when they look at the purchase price ongoing and the residual value like this. And when those numbers start to align, it is over. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely over. So I'll just give you a little um, little tidbit. This is a factoid or whatever. Since I, I uh, got my car uh, a year and a half ago, um, through software updates, I've not been to a service center at all from day one. Through software updates, which are all free, my car goes 5% further and it's got more power and it's got a lot more features on the on this wonderful screen in the center or whatever including web browser and a whole bunch of other things all for free so in other words the car is improved yes. uh, from the day I took it out of the figure showroom wow that's not possible with the other technologies no, it's not and it just continues to get better and better and more security systems or whatever and this is all done over the air wow you've caught me at a weak moment because i just finished pouring uh, fifty five hundred dollars into my very late model uh, north american uh, internal combustion engine car because of a timing chain failure um uh -oh. i don't think you have a timing chain no. There. no there's no timing chain <laughs> anyway, right? exactly there might be That's one in the exactly screen right. but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, I did, this was not on Lisa's notes, but this has been um, a great discussion. One other question I have on the EVs is, um, and this is maybe my, and this is a question for you because it's more of a policy question, but like when we pay at the gas pump, we pay a lot of road tax. Yeah. How does that piece get solved, right? Because you, your meter doesn't yet know uh, a kill KWH going into this light versus into, you know, Tim's car. How's that piece going to? Yeah, get they're going to have to. They're going to have to figure that one, that okay. one out for sure. And uh, you know that that might just be uh, some other charge that gets applied to, you know, either electricity, maybe when you purchase a vehicle, yeah. some kind of kind of tax. So there's a number of different ways of dealing with that. I know some jurisdictions uh, are starting now and and trying to come to terms with that one okay. yeah. so that's definitely that's a big one Absolutely. but, you, but your, your sense is that that's one of those things that falls into the category of the market is going to drive adoption and those are just one of the things you got to figure out that's exactly yeah. right yeah. that's exactly yeah. right mm -hmm. and that's the way we've done it with everything else right yeah. every other kind of consumer good yeah. mm -hmm. uh, that's something that society policymakers, and everyone has to react to yeah I mean this whole EV thing started because you, you asked me kind of where where things were going I think the the EVs is a big piece of it um, because you know what people talk about electrification and I think electrification of uh, transportation makes a lot of sense right now um, I think there's a lot of people saying that you know we can electrify everything 
And again, you know, running the numbers, looking at it, um, you know, even if you wanted to electrify everything and do it with, you know, renewable or, or, or low, extremely low carbon generation, uh, there's so many challenges that need to be addressed there um, through the entire electric, you know, value chain, supply chain, right? From generation to actual transmission, distribution, distribution yeah. and, uh, down to the feeder, down to the, the breaker panel level in each home Yeah. Yes. that needs to be solved, right? right? So, you know, when I think about electrification of heat, um, there are pockets where it might make sense. If you got heating oil, for example, you got, you know, an area where um, you've got a really high cost of, of fuel or it's environmentally damaging like leaking or whatever then fine but um it's going to be it, it's a real challenge to think about converting existing natural gas customers to electricity customers yeah, yeah. while the electricity system is also going to be dealing with electrification of transportation yeah, yeah just do not see how to square that circle you, you mentioned you guys do a lot of work with utilities this Electrification and transportation piece. I mean, that that's got to be something that's front of mind. Like that's a is that a do they see that as a challenge or an opportunity? This whole piece around you know more more EV and that kind of stuff. I I would say it depends on who you're talking to. Okay. That would be the one thing. I don't think there's any one answer. I yes. think those that are looking a little bit forward, this is a Christmas present. Uh huh. But declining average uh, declining average customer use, if you like, for yes. years, yes. which is a um, not a good thing in a utility model. They don't work very well that way. Yes. Uh, this, to some extent, is another way to get the average use up. So yes. on a household basis, it, depending on how much they drive, 25-30% increase wow. on an annual basis. Yes. And, and the one thing I wanted to add um, is uh, to the extent the tra the charging of the cars is done properly as opposed to putting five teslas all going f max out on the same street all at the same time right. which the obvious could happen um, if it's done right policy and technologically speaking um, and a, fo a fix largely a fixed cost system that ontario has in its electric sector to the extent they do not have to add stuff in order to make this happen it is actually to the benefit of ontario uh, ratepayers, yeah, yeah, because you just get the denominator higher. In other words, yeah. the gigawatt hours out higher against a twenty billion dollar or whatever the number is a year expenditure. It's the same thing that happened in telecom. If you put that big DSM switch in there, the best you can do is jam it. Right. And right now we do have pockets of time in the grid, quite a bit of pockets actually, where the capacity is sitting there and it's not actually running at its full extent. So the way I say, you know, when people sneer at me sometimes, oh, you got an EV, you're doing this one. I say, well, actually the flip side is that I'm adding more, I'm disproportionately adding more uh, electron demands on the system. So hence paying more of the fixed cost than you are. So if anything, if anything, it may not pull the electricity dollars per kWh down, but it might start arresting some of the uh, the ascent. Yeah. So, if you want my honest opinion, I th I think this is one of the pushers behind why you know the EV is looking fairly attractive and along perhaps with the electrification of some of the heat. I agree with you that yeah. all the heat. Now nah, I'm a little bit skeptical on that, but nonetheless, if you get those kWhs 
up yeah. the consumption of whatever, uh, you're just pulling at the heartstrings of yes. the utilities that have been looking at declining loads. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of a story I mentioned to you guys. My father's been with Algonquin Power for almost 30 years. And in the early days, they had a saying that, you know, at the near the end of the day, they would yell around the small office and they'd say, last one out, turn all the lights on. Right, you know, right. The, the, the phrase typically is turn the lights off, but yeah. they wanted to create load. But it, it's yes. a little bit like that, and yes. and and I was going to ask about you know you you beat me to the punch with your Christmas present discussion because you know you hear a lot of utilities and they bemoan the the drop in load and mm-hmm. and often that you know the the ire or the, you know their their angst is is dedicated towards DG right because right. you know we're big advocates of you know just you know. You know, open the breaker and leave the grid, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, we can talk about whether or not that's the right thing, but you know, we're propagating DG, mm-hmm. and you know, we're bringing down that demand, you know, in big, big chunks, right? Yes. And our, you know, the energy consumption as well. And I, I empathize with these utilities, yes. right? Like, you know, they must be scared shitless. Uh, yes. But you know, yeah, I, I can see if if this electrification is as big as they say it is, then, yes. then you're right. It's a Christmas gift. Yeah, it, it's absolutely a Christmas a Christmas gift. Yeah. I mean, if the flip side were true, let's just imagine for now that you know we happen to have a world where we're electrically heated, and and this thing came along, natural gas furnaces, yes. and we can brag about mm-hmm. it's faster, cool, you know, heating, and it's cheaper and everything else. Uh, you imagine how. They would be looking at that right now, yes. the electric guys. Oh my God! Right, yes. right. They had have everything to lose. So right. I kind of flip it and says, okay, yeah, there are going to be stresses and creaks and whatever. And yes, there will be. But if things are done right, yeah. Um, actually, I think there can be a lot of benefit. I think actually benefit to the gas industry as well, which we can probably get yeah. into later. Hmm. So we talk a bit about electric heating and, and some of that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about CHP. Um, Love you know, it. Uh, Love it. Okay, good. Let's move on from that then. Uh, <laughs> You know, as a thermal power guy, you know, hearing about the electrification, you know, I mean, we're doing a lot of our own navel gazing and, and that kind of stuff. But what, what, what's your guys' sense? You've both been very involved in CHP over the years. You know, does it have a place? You know, how does it fit in a post-carbon GHG world? Uh, talk to me a bit about your views on CHP. So see, I, I'm a firm believer in CHP. Uh, I, I don't just uh, do CHP stuff to get paid. <laughs> Um, I choose to get paid to do CHP. But that's not what you said on the way up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I choose to get paid to do CHP work because I believe in it. Right on. And, uh, I, so I absolutely think it has a, a, a big role to play and I see it as, you know, the part of the, I don't know, dozen or so technologies that kind of make it in the end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, way down the line. You know the residual natural gas use is going to be used in in applications that are you know combined heat and power and 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 those types of applications. So wherever there's a nice stable load for heat, yes. Uh, if you want to service that load um, and do it in the most efficient way possible, then you do that with with CHP. But how do we how do we reconcile that in a now? I know there's a lot of policy in transition, sure. but. This, you know, on a site basis, it's a, it's a, it's an increase Absolutely. in GHGs. Yeah. How, do, how do we reconcile that? In, in it, it's a, it's a challenge, and yeah, I'll, I'll pass the mic on in a sec here. It's, it, that's, that's a challenge. It's a complicated story, yeah. right? Emissions go up at, at site, but emissions from a kind of on a global basis go down, uh, and and that's a complicated story to tell. Yes, um, but. I think the model where you know one of our clients is a, a a thermal energy like a district energy 
uh, company that serves um, um, a municipality in, in Ontario. And their system is based on CHP, boilers, they do chilled water, they do hot water. And that's the kind of beating heart. The CHP is the beating heart of the system that ensures that it's always pumping out heat and, and electrons. And now they're adding a bunch of air source heat pumps mm. to the system that can provide you know renewable when the grid emissions are low it can pump more heat into the system and they can use their existing heat system and leverage that with these air source heat pumps but you can't have an air source heat pump based district energy system and so you need both but you know it you have chp that lets you that's your anchor and then you can build on that with capturing you know ways other waste heat sources renewable heat and and dumping that in and then you you build out a low carbon thermal network that's that's so interesting that you say that because we had um uh, diego mandelbaum from creative energy do you sure. know those guys yeah. uh, he was on last week with us and he had the same thing he said you know yes all all those things are good but we have to get to enough critical mass to get a thermal network That's and right. chp because of its economic proposition allows an anchor to get to that you know yeah. that that thermal network right and then we can start to add on that the sexy you know low ghg stuff right. once you have that infrastructure in right. place right um which is which is uh, similar to the ev story right mm -hmm. had we not built coal and nuclear and had this you know huge electrification network we never could have done evs right correct um, uh, so. absolutely correct now tim you know what at maybe from your enbridge days you guys there, there was some work done in terms of you know quantifying GHGs and can you speak to that in terms of CHP and where well, it fits into the mix? Yeah, what I, what I was going to say um, and, and certainly specific to Ontario, first of all, I, I, I'm a huge fan of CHP. Anything that squeezes much energy out of an in, a feedstock carbon or otherwise is absolutely the way to go. Yeah. And so one of, one of the opportunities, the holes, if you will, uh, that I see where uh, CHP could play and must play a much bigger role is um, is being a, a contender, a, a respected contender in the management of the grid, mm. all right? And I'm not even gonna put a, a T or a D in front of it. I'm just gonna say the grid. Wow. So right now, um, as some of your listeners will know, in Ontario, we're somewhat flush with power. Yeah. Uh, but that's soon to change, probably the next two or three years when Pickering starts to, uh, to be phased out in the units A and B, and then various stages of the refurbishment of Darlington and Bruce. Um, right now, with the flush power, the duty cycle of our of the province's large uh, combined cycle gas plants is approximately 15%, mm. about where it probably should be, quite yes. frankly. Yes. Um, there's anticipation that that's going to go up substantially when the when the, the various units, the, rea the nuclear reactors, go down for refurbishment or retirement. Um, and, and I don't see that as a good thing, uh, quite frankly. This is where, you know, a CHP has got 
the numbers in spades with your eyes closed to do better on, yes. I think, the cost as well as the GHG basis. That's where I look at. I'd rather not have at best a, you know, at best 45-50% efficient at the site yes. uh, generation plant delivering electrons, lose 5% along the way or whatever, right. and then whatever the end result is, as opposed to a very hyper-efficient CHP. Makes no sense to me. And I would like to see, I'd like to see the, you know, the powers to be take that uh, with respect and say, look, uh, we've worked very hard in Ontario, spent a lot of money, all Ontarians have, to get the GHDs down. It would just seem a shame to have to go backwards yeah. in this whatever it is, 10-year window until all the refurbishments are finished and sacrifice some of those carbon. I think the CHP can help out very nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So you're, in simple terms, you're saying you'd rather take a megawatt hour from a high-efficiency CHP than, you know, you're comparing it to our only other option in terms of yes. supplying the grid is a less efficient, you know, Correct. combined cycle plant on the 401, let's just Correct. say. Or, yeah, and I've got nothing against them, but Agreed. it just seems ridiculous yes. To, yes. to waste half the energy. Yeah, yeah. Now... Part of the sense I get, particularly in Ontario, is that there, I don't know what it is, maybe it's our hydroelectric history and then nuclear, but we have a, a bent towards electricity, but we don't have a holistic view in that the thermal side, you know, that we all love and deal with and the, the natural gas side, the, 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 from an energy perspective, there's, there, it, there's such a fixation on electricity. Would you, I mean, you came out of that world. Is, is that... Is that hampering the development of, you know, the, the, the vision that, that Tim has? Is some of that being hampered because we have a, maybe I'm putting you in an awkward spot, but be, no, not at all. because I mean, that's kind of the history in this province? I think, I mean, look, look if you look out the window, like, what yes. do you see? All you see power is power lines. Yes, yes. The whole, like, you know, you drive on the 401, drive on the Queensway, all you see are power lines everywhere. It's everywhere. Every neighborhood, everybody sees it. It's constant. Yes. No one's ever seen a natural gas pipe. I mean, you know, right. unless you work in the industry, you know what to look for, you, you yeah. wouldn't even know it. Good point. And I just think it's not visible. It's just not, it's not something that people think about. And you it's know, being cheap. It's cheap. It's being yes. cheap, right? And it's, you know, your furnace is tucked away in your utility room. No one wants to go in there. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of the scary place that no one wants to go. Yeah. Uh, that's where you keep your old tools or whatever. And you know, like that's it's just uh, I think I think it's a problem though because what it ignores is this this reality that we are really dependent on um, on stable, affordable, reliable. Uh, you know, heating solutions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, look at Alberta, Alberta like this past week and last week. I mean, yeah. it's negative 30, negative 40. Mm -hmm. The peak electricity consumption, solar and wind is producing like nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, the wind will. The, the wind is, is it, it's too cold. I think the, the turbines right? are, my understanding is the oh, turbines okay. are basically it's typically frozen it's an inverse, but okay, okay. But I think it's like at a certain point, I think it gets yeah. either too cold or too windy. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think there's much wind generation happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the system is about to collapse. They were yeah. like all, like on the verge of rolling blackouts last week. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, how do you square that with this... Um, you know, you got to do something to, to make sure that the yeah. heat stays on. Yeah. So we are entering, as, 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 and I don't, and I'm not overstating this, and everyone knows, we're entering in a carbon constrained world. Period. Yes. It doesn't yes. matter who's in politics. Yes. Whatever. Right. This right. is it. And 
um, you know, I, as I call it, there are kind of three buckets of segments out there, very, very roughly. One's uh, heating, as in thermal, yeah. another one's electric, and then you've got transportation. I know there are some okay. plus and minuses out there, but that's yeah. effectively what it is. In Ontario, arguably, we've done a lot of work on the electric side. And I want to yes. say it's finished, but it's got a, there isn't lots left to do. We're perhaps at a point of diminishing returns. Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah. Every, you know, taking another ton of carbon out is very expensive now yes. in the electric sector. So, you know, check mark there. Okay. The transportation sector's got a long way to go, but, and we can argue about the direction or whatever, but it's at least it's got some direction and momentum yes. and it's coming down to batteries as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And there can be some hydrogen play there as well. On the heating load, as I say to people, we get this dealt with, otherwise we're not going to make the targets. Uh -huh. I mean, mathematically impossible. Right. Okay. Right. So the question is, how are we going to reconcile? It's got to be affordable. Yes. It, it's it's got to, you've got to be able to stay warm. In other words, it's got to be possible. And also, how do you manage the whole carbon footprint thing? Right. Uh, and that's all together. And if you want to talk about convergence, there's a convergence of oh my god stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, there is no easy solution to this. I think there are some solutions to. Uh, I'm going to call it try to keep everybody happy. In other words, make it somewhat economically palatable. Yes. Uh, heating load uh, costs, I believe, are going to go up regardless, whatever the scenario is. If we stay with gas, there is going to be a carbon price coming. Yes. Um, yes. And it isn't going to go away in the long term, as far yes. as I'm concerned, it isn't. Um, on the electric side, to your point, Richard, you know, how do you handle those? Um, you know, minus 32 days and stuff like that with electric. Technically, you can do it, but it's not very practical, and we right. certainly don't have the capacity now. And what the gas, you know, when I was at Enbridge, what they were very, very uh, eloquent in explaining is, is that uh, if you look at the, I think it was, I don't know, 017 or whatever it was, it was a very, very cold February, and they looked at the gas flow in the system in the province of Ontario, and they said it with Enbridge before it was merged with yes. the union, and they said that the flow rate on a electric equivalent terms was about 84 terawatt hours mm. all right uh, good luck when you only have on the electric side 30 whatever that is 31 in boilerplate terms yeah uh, that doesn't look very doable or whatever and so how are you going to handle that and and so from my vision if I can if I can uh, jump right into it at this point in yeah. time yes. to to uh, to meet you know practical things somewhat economic and get the carbon down is to suggest that the that the gas natural gas get releg and I and I use the word relegated in a in a in a polite sense I don't want to dis diminish it dis diminish it but relegated to the fuel source ultimately that picks up those very very extreme days where uh -huh. you say to yourself you know what we are not going to put in another nuke we're not going to put in all that extra transmission but there's a bandwidth between you know the odd 2500 hours of heating load in in ter in general terms that's water and space heating there's a bandwidth there where i believe it could be practical for the electric grid to play a bigger prominent role I not see. instantly not next week right. but over over the time um, I believe it will help bring the electricity kwh prices down it'll bring the carbon down and and be practical and how the gas industry I believe should uh, be um, what's I got to be careful the word I use is how they should learn to, or sorry how they would come to operate is rather than on a, uh, a sort of volumetric basis they're more on a, a decoupled basis uh -huh. so uh, you know sort of mirroring what's happened on the lower end of rates 
distribution rates on the electric sector it has to be decoupled period otherwise it isn't going to happen so there's a demand portion and a exactly yeah so in this case Enbridge it would retain its regulated rate of return of X percent regardless of what the flow rate is there are pros and cons to that but I believe that's the only way we're going to make it hmm. and what this also does is it keeps a very very good um, uh, you know, favorable light on the gas industry that it does have a very important role as opposed to Christ, they're all carbon, right. got to get rid of it, right. got to electrify everything. That's the problem, right? Because it gets too extreme. Yes. I believe there's a huge role. And then speaking with the RNG, yes. as in renewable natural gas, it's got a limited potential in terms of land. From, from the supply side. Yes. 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 And, and I'm telling you right now as a percent, that wouldn't be the highest. But if you start winding down the base load of gas, that percentage starts to climb. It looks very good. It starts to decarbonize, to some extent, more of the CHP runs. So it makes it look better. Yes. Okay. So this is, but this, see, this is like, this is right at the heart of like the challenge though, because you move to fixed rates on the gas side. Yes. All of a sudden people have less of a price signal to conserve. They have less. They only have now the commodity to right. play with. So then you have more of the charges fixed. Yep. So it's your Netflix model, right? Correct. So whatever. Watch as much as you want. Use it. Don't you're, use you're it. You're paying for it whether or not you use it. Yes. So, you know, maybe people might not be as as careful about, you know, mm. running the heat. They're away. They don't care. Whatever. Keep it on. Keep yep. your furnace on all the time. Yep. Uh, and then you end up actually making the GHGs worse from the sector. Yep. No, that's that's an issue. But if you know, if you start increasing the price on car of carbon in gas over time, that will start to have an impact, right? Sure. And if I can be so bold to say and if if at some point electric were to come down and heat pumps and all that stuff start sure. to get ready whatever you know this this spark spread gap may not be as significant uh, at that point in time i don't know when it is and how much it will be yes. as it is today because right now it looks like gas is going to win every single time right yeah i mean that's yes. let's face I mean, the it the quantity right? is just yeah. so low but if, if you know if you start nibbling away on various hmm. various ways from a from a consumptive perspective and from a carbon tax and then bringing down the rates and electricity all of a sudden start things start to change could change a little bit or whatever so they do, it's not they a, do start changing yeah, I, it's I, not I, a perfect it's answer. not it's not no and I, I'm not disagreeing with you I just feel like there's a lot of hand-waving not about anything you said Tim but <laughs> there's a lot of hand-waving out there about you know oh this is like what this really is gonna cost Yes, right. But you know, my home, I you know, I'm in Toronto. Um, my home's like 110, 115 years old or whatever. Yes. I mean, we've, yes. we've got decent electricity service. The grid is pretty stable in our area, yeah. but yeah. but if I'm putting in a heat pump and a level two charger, I need a whole panel. new panel. Yeah, I right. need some serious electrical work done in my house. Yep. Yep. The cost of that, plus the cost of ha having the air source heat pump there in addition to mm -hmm. the furnace, keeping them both running properly to do a hybrid heating thing. Yep. That's not- It's not insignificant. That's not insignificant. No, absolutely. That starts being yep. a serious- yep. Yep. And so, you know, there's serious costs there. There's the actual ongoing utility cost, but then there's that that capital cost is a, that's a significant yep. cost. 100%. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't think this is going to be easy. I just look at the end goal, 
right? The end goal is, and and yeah, I'm and I'm gonna. That's your, it's your client yeah. imperative. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So so uh, you know because I I tried to educate myself. You know what the, what they're saying is that by 2030, we have, as in the world, has a. Uh, I got to get the numbers right here. Uh, about 500 gigatons of carbon budget left. Huh. Right now, approximately, right. Um, if we are to maintain one and a half degree Celsius temperature average thing by 2030, and right now the world is pumping a net net basis about 50 gigatons, so hence the 10 years. Okay. If we say that, if we, we would say, well, we'll accept a two degree uh, demarcation or whatever, then it's uh, then we got about 1600. So you know, two, three times or whatever like right. this. So regardless, that's the budget we got left. Yes. And if we agree with that and can live with it, whatever, if that's it, the question is how are we going to do it? Right, right. And you know, when people ask about you know price of price of carbon and say a liter of gasoline or whatever, you know the the small numbers we're talking about now with the feds or whatever, it's it's in, it's inconsequential right. because gas price itself and commodity is varying. But you really want to get people's attention, and I'm not suggesting we're again going to do it next week or whatever. But if you start, you know, putting a price of carbon at around, I can't remember the numbers exactly, like 150 bucks a ton, uh, then you start adding 40, 50 cents a liter on the on the on the thing of, of gas. Now that gets people's attention. Now they say, you know what? When I start looking at my next car, man, maybe I won't buy such a such a beast. I'm going to start being a little bit smarter. Maybe you may take the transit, whatever. Ultimately, we're. I think we're going to have to get there. Yeah. Because I can't yes. see how we're going to meet our carbon budget right. or stay within it. Right. Right. Without that level of policy. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's you know, when I boil it all down, whoever's in power, whoever like this, I just say, you know, I, I, I am believing at face value, scientists, that if they're getting anything wrong, what they're doing is they're tending to understate what's going on. Every year, their models are getting tighter, which means that they're actually finding out there's more feed, feeding in. And uh, they say, this is what we got. Who do you think is better positioned to drive that change? Is it because, you know, obviously the policymakers have an ability to influence it, but then, yes. we, then we hear things like Microsoft and, you know, we're going to go negative. Car carbon negative. I mean, on one hand, you know, one is this heavy hand of, of, of the government. The other one is, you know, we're going to do the right thing because yep. we take the long view. Yep. Do, you have, do you have a sense on who, who's going to win out in terms of well, public perception? The longer we wait, Matt. The more regulations come in our way, I can tell you that. I see. Yeah, because I, I think the the, the market, uh, as imperfect as it has been up to now, is never going to be enough sufficient. The longer we we let this thing go. Yeah. Okay. But so every year, every year around the world, if you do the numbers as they say, and I'm just repeating this, in absolute terms, not relative terms, every every year we're supposed to be right now as of this year uh, about eight percent reduction in carbon, and I can mm -hmm. tell you that isn't going to happen a month of Sundays. Yeah, that's yeah. every year now until 2030. Wow. So we know that's not going to happen. It's going to be an yeah. absolute increase. So the question is, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. And we can put a market, you know, in theory, a market price on carbon. You know, if it had to be a, a pinch point, a pain factor probably be several hundred dollars. I can tell you that will be an absolute disaster. People will not accept that and they'll yes. retaliate. And right. I think for good reason, because it's too fast. Um, so I think the longer we wait, the more regulations right. come in our way. I see. And, and on that piece of regulation, I mean, we have um, a lot of posturing, you know, as, as Canadians going on between the feds and the provinces in terms of how, how this should be handled. Um, where do you think, you know, a year, if we're sitting here a year from now, um, you know, who wins? Like, where's the, where's this going? Um, you know, are the feds going to win? Are the provinces going to win? You know, this is Supreme Court of Canada appeal. Um, how do we navigate this? 
Maybe we just hire Laszlo Energy Services. Yeah, we that's, can, the, we'll, that's the right we'll answer. Sort it. We'll sort it out for sure. I guess it all depends when and who's going to be the next leader of the Conservatives and yeah. how confident they feel like they want to call something. Mm. You know, no, but I think that's exactly right. Like, I think that calculus is exactly right. If there was a strong, you know, I think all Canadians that I know, almost all, you know, fiscally conservative, socially liberal, uh, you know, don't hurt anybody, and we're okay with you it. You make me laugh because you and I had dinner once, and I and and this yeah. came up, and I described myself that way. And yeah. you, you laughed at me. You said, "Matt, that's the description that's of every Canadian." That's everybody. <laughs> that's everybody. Maybe there's five percent kind of on the extreme either side, but yeah. that's everybody I've met. And you know, we need a a blue liberal or a red Tory mm. to come up the middle, take climate change seriously but also take economic challenges seriously. And, um, and I think that's, we, 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 the, the balance isn't there. If we had, I think, a, a you know, popular and, and competent conservative leader that could come up and, and put something serious forward, I think, that would, I think that would go a long way towards addressing some of the, you, the divide and challenge. I see. So your sense is that if, if there was something that was a bit more you know, middle ground pragmatic at the federal level, then some of the uh, provinces who are pushing against it might might get back in line? I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of angst and, and, and um, disappointment and anger that, you know, people's voices aren't, aren't being heard and okay. people are, are hurting. And, and uh, you know, from where I'm sitting, I, I agree. Like, I, I do not think that some of these challenges are being properly considered and... You know, the oil industry is hurting, Alberta and Saskatchewan are hurting, and, and I really feel for, for the, those provinces, right? It's, that's, it's tough. And they've contributed a lot to Canada and Canadian, the Canadian economy and society, and I think they're doing a lot. Of course, there's always opportunities to do more, but um, I, I, I'd like to see uh, Government of Canada kind of take some of those regional concerns a little bit, mm. a little bit more seriously. Um, so, but on the other hand, I think it's important that we do have a uh, a common federal policy. Yeah. Because this kind of patchwork thing is is really hard for industry to deal with, and all it does is create inefficiencies. And you know, if I'm if I'm being a a, a kind of consultant, then you say, okay, great, the, you know, a confused market is good for business. Yes, but yes. but that's not the work that I want to do, right? That's not the work I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those market signals that are clear and 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 will be stable for a long period of time allows all of us, you know, particularly industry and institutions, to make you know That's decisions right. right based yeah, on that. That's right. Um, kind of a bit of a different question, but what's 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 a technology that that we haven't talked about yet that you guys are excited about? Something that's you know maybe here or just got here or is coming. I, I think storage, storage. is bar none going to be the game changer yeah. in so many ways. Okay. I think it's going to affect, in fact, I think uh, there's already inklings of it now in the ISO. It's going to affect uh, how they run and dispatch equipment. Yeah, uh, It'll happen down, mostly, I would suggest, down in the uh, the distribution level, but at some point, this stuff's going to burp up yes. and start to impact them. They see this. They see this already. And, and do you see, Tim, a, a storage kind of ecosystem that's agnostic of technology? Like how do you, because storage can mean multiple things, Yeah, right? so storage, I've heard 
somebody an APRO conference that's storage with a capital S. So it's uh -huh. it's not necessarily batteries. Right. As you as you know, you get mechanical things, flywheels, compressed air. Yes. There's cryogenic stuff going on right now. It looks fairly promising okay. in England, which yeah. is scalable. I'm talking like 100 megawatt hour scalable wow. stuff, and it can wow. and it can go uh, longer periods of time. I think. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what could also emerge on the thermal end of things in yes. terms of storage or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I've heard people talk about it. I'm not sure how efficient and cost effective it is. I think with cheap gas, it makes it very difficult. Yes. But nonetheless, storage, bar none, is going to change the energy game. Okay. Period. Yeah. It's very clear. And it's changing. And you know, car, again, remember that convergence? Yeah, the cars right are going to play into this. Yeah, I did just kind of that bridge between. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. I, I did. That's all EVs are, right? They're, they're that's right. They're batteries it's, on wheels. On wheels I, yeah. I did, uh, and and people can you know attack me or whatever, but I did a very quick calculation at a meeting last week. I said, with the existing cars on the road today that have a plug or yes. ability to put a plug in them, as big or small, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, I can very easily come up with not quite, but close to a gigawatt hour worth of storage wow. on wheels right now. Wow. Um, and I know they only suck, they do not blow back, I get it, but that yes. in itself is a huge asset. You know, yes. to some extent with some policy and the right whatever it is, yeah. um, some of that, a portion of that, which is all paid for effectively, uh, could play a role in the store, sorry, in the grid. Well, that's an interesting, the paid for piece, right? Like that's why, you know, I was always, you know, for a bunch of reasons, but the 40% the grants on CHP, you had all this capacity built out, 60% on the nickel of private industry, right? Yes. With this storage, it's 100%, uh, you know, uh, on yes. the nickel of, you yes. know, private citizens like us. Yes. Yet maybe it's inf infrastructure that you know the the government can use, right? Oh, 100 yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, sorry, I was about to say there there are entities out there that have recognized that, and and although limited, there are projects going on as we speak right now where where cars, electric cars, are are um, both as uh, what they call EV to grid. In other words, giving energy back. Yes. yes. And taking energy off the yes. grid in dynamic time right now wow. down in downtown Toronto. There, wow. there, uh, what is it? There are two buildings down there right now. Really, with twenty uh, Nissan Leafs. Fascinating. That's right. What about you, Richard? What, what do you see next? Yeah, EVs. I think are I'm really keen on. I, I see a lot of legs there, and and storage, obviously, a big part of that. And the idea of, of you know vehicle to grid or vehicle to X. Yes. You know that 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 idea of um, is is really cool. And, you know, you think kind of longer term, and we were talking about autonomous vehicles, and then you actually have a technology that can possibly, you know, charge in one location and drive by itself and discharge mm. at another location. Mm. And then you have something that is truly transformative. Yeah, interesting. That's like an wow. actual change in... You know, I mean, I, I sound like, but you know, then it's you a disruption. that that's like a like a civilizational change. Yeah, right. You don't need linear infrastructure anymore in the same way, and that lets you. You know, we talked about like dynamic. That actually allows you to change the way you design cities and the way places we live in a way that is is fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, kind of rapid fire a couple uh, technologies that were hot on uh, hydrogen mm -hmm. you think it has yes. a place 
Yeah, I think it has a role. Yeah, in terms of yeah. You know. So I was part of uh, when I was at Enbridge. I was part of the uh, the Markham right. Uh, yes, uh, the yeah. two megawatt uh, yeah. power to gas project or yeah. whatever. And um, I can see some uh, some some applications. And I, I, here's a one right off the wall. Okay, there's something that I've got just in my recent travels, um, where there is uh, very congested uh, electrical uh, capacity. Uh, but a but a high desire to have uh, fleets of uh, of electric uh, vehicles, maybe yes. mid mid sized trucks or something like that. What are you going to do? Again, money will solve everything. Uh, but one of the things that came my way, uh, which is why they approached me, is they said, "Hey, why don't we um, why don't we bring in uh, some of the hydrogen from your power to gas plant, uh, store the hydrogen there, which is pretty straightforward, yes. and uh, run it through a fuel cell, and then I can discharge it at any rate and and whenever I want to." So I thought oh. that was actually kind of interesting. So that that concept is is moving moving the hydrogen as as a as, as opposed to putting it in the, the pipeline. Yeah, and, that particular one was, yeah, yes. Yeah. I know Enbridge is very, very, and not just Enbridge, but the gas industry is very, yeah. very busy yeah. looking at uh, co-mingling, as they yes. call it, yes. uh, uh, the hydrogen. I'm not sure when and, and what, what percentages and yes. where. Yes. I think they're going to want to have high flow rate uh, yes. areas, but uh, that's definitely on the radar. It's interesting. You know, I was in over in Europe at, at Yenbacher, one of the big OEMs in the, the gas engine space, and they, they're seeing in Europe not just hydrogen, but RNG. Like they're, they're mm -hmm. seeing so much dynamic in gas quality now that it's it's a uh, and because it's all you know distributed in terms of who's feeding in. There's no control, right? Their, their engines yes. can handle the vulnerability or yes. the variability, yes. um, but uh, but but they have no control. They, there's no feed forward you know algorithm yeah. to say this is what's coming down the pipe, right? So yeah. that you know adoption does pose its own. Well it sort of analogously is happening here right because for for many years we had the Western Basin yes is almost the sole inputter into the distribution systems out east or whatever that's not the case anymore mm -hmm. in fact I think that's the lower end of things we now got frac gas right. which right. has its own chemistry and yes within limits or whatever so you got that and then also maybe throw in RNG yeah to be fair the RNG has got I know because uh, the folks at Enbridge are very very strict there's a nice narrow bandwidth yes. that it's got to be in this. Yes. But nonetheless, you got RNG, you got frac gas, you got Western Basin or whatever. So there is a degree of variability now that they've not really ever yeah. seen before. Yeah. Or what not about, for a long time. What about biomass? Is there a place for biomass? Like like woody biomass? Absolutely. You think so? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, we talk electrification and heating is a big challenge. And I, I you know, climate is, is super important, but I don't think that people are a lot of people are taking that challenge seriously enough and and that's why their alternative is you keep the gaseous fuel grid and you you know you conserve you reduce as much as can chp district energy renewable natural gas hydrogen you do what you can to reduce the carbon intensity of that yeah. fuel stream but yeah absolutely um woody biomass has a has a big role play i got a buddy who has um kind of a, a, a house in toronto and there were they got one side of the house. They have, have a heat pump, and and the heat isn't distributing well. They're putting in like a nice a nice uh, tight, a, like right. a nice wood stove in the, in their house, right? Really? And that's an alternative because yeah. you said like they've already seen like the the cost of running that heat pump in the winter is significant. Yes, yes. And you know they're gonna put in a nice 
nice fixture in their house. It's gonna be a nice conversation piece. Snuggle up with the wood stove, right? Yeah, and yeah. and it's it's a good solution. Mm -hmm. And you can get and the more modern ones where they have catalytic converters in them, yeah, so they're so they're they're more environmentally uh -huh. friendly. In fact, I think that's, right. that's a rule. Plus, they've got um, you know what pellet fed ones, so it's much that's more right. convenient to run. Okay. You don't have to sit yeah. there stoking it all yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we uh, probably should kind of bring this to a close. Although I my sense is we could talk all day about this. Um, We've talked a lot of kind of big picture, kind of blue sky stuff for, you know, those who might be listening, um, who maybe are charged with, you know, in a real local sense, operating their plants or you know, developers who are planning their next projects. Any, any obvious actionable steps, you know, short of picking up the phone and calling you guys, uh, yeah, which, which exactly. is one. Call us. Um, <laughs> um. All of life is marketing, Tim. Uh, no, but, but beyond that, I mean, are there any obvious actionable steps? Maybe it's just an education piece. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, putting you on the spot here. But uh. I, I think uh, just as a rough rule of thumb, uh, and I've always had this philosophy, thought philosophy for the, uh, the Ontario grid, electric grid now, um, is have some flexibility into it. Mm. Stuff is changing so fast right now. Yes. And if you box yourself into three decades worth of something, and you better be damn sure that it was the right technology. Yeah. Because there's a stuff that could go right by and you can't touch it anymore. So right. at least have that in mind. I know that may not be super helpful to all the listeners, but maybe some it will. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe yes. hedge your bets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't take your, your eye off carbon, mm. I'm telling you, because yeah. that's mm. going to be a big okay. deal. Big yeah. deal, actually. Yeah. Let's say it's like if you're a facility manager or someone like that, uh, if you're replacing like with like, like if something's coming end of life yeah. yes. and you're replacing it with, you're probably making a mistake. Mm. Not always, wow. okay. but like you could probably tune things up, do something a little different. Technologies are changing pretty fast now. I mean, obviously, if you've got a boiler and you know you need a new boiler, fine. But you know there might be opportunities to capture some waste heat, and and you might not need as big a boiler. Uh, so that would be that would be kind uh, of exactly, Richard. I mean, do the you know really get aggressive on on design whatever your system however it's fed yes. just using less of it yes, uh, yes that would be you know i know i know that's a cliche or whatever like this but there are a lot of people out there that put off this stuff yes and uh they can't any longer i don't think they can yeah. because i think they're going to expose their business yes um, you're going to be running up against people that are lean and mean and energy won't be necessarily the defining entity of how they survive or not. Yes. If you're on the margin yes. and you're buying marginal cost priced energy and someone else's kind of fixed cost, more solar or less energy needed, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So don't become a high marginal cost player. Right, right. Uh, get control of it, use as little as possible. So that's what I would do. And to your point, so if you scale it right down, maybe I don't need that you know million BTU uh, boiler, or maybe I need uh, 500,000, yeah, thank you very sure. much. Well, for there sure. you go, you've already decarbonized yourself to some yeah. extent, right? So two, two big steps, flexibility, you know, and everything you do, things yeah. are changing so fast, keep yeah. the flexibility, and you know, if you're doing like for like, you know, step back and think long and hard about, you know, what, what are even small incremental changes, Absolutely. right? They all add Absolutely. up over time. Absolutely, every time you're, you know, a, a piece of equipment comes to their end of useful life, yeah. that is an opportunity for you to do something different That's and great. tune things up. That's great. Cool. Um, where can people find you guys? Your website, email. Um. 
Yeah, we got a website, uh, LazloEnergy.com. Cool. Okay. You can contact us, uh, Tim at LazloEnergy.com or Richard at LazloEnergy.com. And the important thing is Laszlo is L-A-S-Z-L-O. That's right. There's an S and a Z in Laszlo in that order. And uh, Good yeah, that's Romanian right. Canadian name, right? Yeah, Transylvanian. Transylvanian. Yeah, Hungarian. That's yeah, right. but Transylvanian. That's right. And uh, <laughs> and or at Quest. That's another option. Right. Thank you. Yes. And we didn't really talk about Quest. Amazing uh, national not for profit focused on smart energy communities all across Canada. Working groups, projects, really, really solid work, bringing utilities, municipalities, developers, and private sector together to work on some of these energy challenges and a uh, great organization and uh, thanks for your support of, of Quest and uh, look forward to um, moving policy and programs forward. Yes, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, in our experience, you know, anybody who's, we have a, a certain focus that we dialogue with Quest on, but, you know, you guys are doing so much stuff in the energy space and anybody who's got a passion or an involvement in energy should should be at that table and helping you guys because it is a, it is an effort to move this policy forward Absolutely. and it take, takes all of us, right? Yeah. So, uh, Richard, Tim, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. I, I know we've probably done way past the allotted time and I know you got to get downtown to oh, visit. Oh yeah, we can do this all day. We get paid by the word, right? That's right. We get paid <laughs> paid by the word and the bigger and more complicated, the better. Fantastic. Uh, so. Oh, it was a pleasure, I'm at. Yeah, yeah good, uh, good. Thank you very much. I yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it. Was this, uh, this, was this your first podcast? Uh, probably, I don't know. For me, it was. It was uh, yeah, Tim? Yes. Well, we're and, happy and, to be your first. And the operative word is it will not be my last. Okay, good. Well, that's, that's yeah, good. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you both. This is good. We'll uh, we'll sign off now. But uh, uh, thanks, guys. It was fun. Thank you. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Good.